spread one love, okay? Thanks for tuning in to us, the Eminem Show. Welcome back to another super freshly baked, loving episode of the Eminem Show, live at the One Love Massive headquarters. I am your host with the mostest, Nikki MG, and we have Molly at the end of the table. What's up, M? What's going on? I can't see you. I know, it's kind of <laughs> weird. I don't know if I like this setup. It's kind of weird not being able to see. Well, we're trying it out. We're trying it out. Uh, What's going on, Mills? What's happening? Loving the blonde halo essence today. Thank you. It's fresh. Appreciate it. Yes. And we also have a very special guest, Miss Angela Nicole Winfield. How are you doing, Angela? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you. How are you? I'm great. Thanks awesome. so much for coming on our show tonight. Hi, ladies. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yes. Yes. So, you know, we uh, like to start off the show just uh, modeling good behavior when you have conversation with people is to check in and see how everyone is actually doing. Because we're going to talk about some important crazy shit going on in America, you know. So before we dive into those conversations, just take a pulse and see how we're doing. So um, what's been going on with you this past week, Angela? Well, this week has been an absolute whirlwind for me. I'm on spring break. And um, instead of relaxing and studying, I've just been partying in D.C. like crazy. Hey. Hey. Where are some of the places you've been partying it up? Velvet Lounge, Marvin, um, a couple of little cute little house sets, rolled by TG's, that okay. old fossil. <laughs> um, and then we went to 18th Street Lounge on Sunday, Fun. which was absolutely amazing. Classic. Sam Sam the Man Burns was there? All the old heads were there. Oh, man. Keenan was there. Oh, man. Outside was jumping. Inside was jumping. The basement was jumping. It was just on fire. I love it. I'm still recovering. What's today? Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> I should be good by tomorrow. That's awesome. Those are some really uh, classic DC spots that you've been hitting up. I love it. Good stuff. Uh, you used to be able to find me at the 18th Street Lounge like at least three nights a week. I mean, that was church. <laughs> Great place to dance, man. You know? Yeah, like, It dancing. feels good. Exactly. Exactly. Mills, how was your week? My week has been amazing. It's been crazy working on this Women's Holistic Health Summit happening this Saturday, crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's. Um, uh, my nephew turned one today, and man, time flies. My son, my son turned five last week, so it's like, you know, woo, crazy times, man. Some milestones. Yeah. Yes, yes. Tell us more about this uh, Women's uh, Holistic Healing Summit. The Women's Holistic Healing Summit is occurring at Howard University Hospital. It's mostly free. Um, we do have a VIP package that has a lot of really cool bonuses that allow people to have more one-on-one -on -one interactions with the different um, speakers that are participating in the event. Um, we're talking about all the awesome ways that you can heal yourself holistically, not just by exercising or 
um, drinking water, but getting really into uh, Reiki and crystals and even cannabis-based therapy, as well as the different services that Howard has to offer for screenings and things like that to stay on top of preventative care, you know. Um, I'm really excited about this event, especially because it's it's uh, focused on women. And when it comes to issues of women's health, like we are just largely mismedicated in, or overmedicated and misdiagnosed, I should say. And um, a lot of change. I'm a, I'm a first person um, example of how much healing you can find just by changing the way you eat and changing the way you think. So I'm excited. That's what's Amen. up. Where can people find more information about <clears throat> the summit? www.womensholistichealingsummit.com. Yes, the website is the event, Women's Holistic Healing Summit.com. It's free. Reserve your ticket online. Find out all about all the speakers that we have, all the workshops that we have, the seminars, and how you can be a part of this awesome event. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. Yes, yes. That sounds great. Queen Molly. What up? What's been going on with your week? What's new? You know, just lots of work, trying to make some progress, you know, the usual. You know, running shit. Trying, you know. Yeah. That's it? <laughs> yeah, you know. That's it. Well, cool. I'm happy to be here. Um, I've had a, a good week myself. Um, I'm finally kind of getting back into my routine, my swing of work, of campaigning, of baby preparations. Um, I have been traveling a lot the past three months, and so it just feels really good to be home and grounded in the District of Columbia once again. So I want to talk a little bit more about um, what I'm calling the queen routine, and actually the Women's Holistic Healing Summit is part of what inspired me to talk about this more, but also because Angela is on the show and you're someone who is very queenly and very much into self-care and... It's my life. You know, very dignified. And so I want to know what each of our queen routines is because we're all queens and we all have different habits that uh, keep us positive and healthy and and moving forward, right? So what's a part of your, what are some elements of your queen routine, Angela? Well, you know, just to um, piggyback on what you were saying, just making sure that I'm eating right, drinking water, exercising. Uh, hot yoga is a huge part of my life. Um, I've been to Hot Yoga Capitol Hill twice since I've been here, and I've only been back for four days. Mm -hmm. um, it is a thing that keeps me grounded. It keeps me positive. It keeps me focused. Um, it's the one time of day that is just for me, no cell phone, no, nothing's ringing, mm -hmm. it's really quiet, and I can focus on myself and really just walk myself through my own goals individually and the goals that I have for my family. Um, also with yeah. that, I like to dance. Dancing is a form of therapy for me, so if I'm having like a bad day or a bad time and I just want to like let it all go, just leave it on the dance floor. Mm -hmm. Like who cares if you get all sweaty and your wig is coming off? Just like, <laughs> you know, just dance it out. Um, I also get a lot of sleep. 
Mm. I've made sleep a priority. Um, it's one of the most underused tools of productivity mm. because if you don't get enough sleep, it's like going to work and doing your daily tasks with a hangover. So you got to get in the bed. I don't care what kind of deadlines you got going on. Lay it down. Yeah. And just get up early. The I get up at 5 a.m. now. I love it. That's super early. What's going on at 5 a.m. anywhere? Nothing. It's so (laughs) quiet, and that is the best part about it. Mm -hmm. Like, the only thing going on is, like, the birds are chirping. Mm -hmm. Like, even all the people that are on the street are somewhere. Yeah. They're asleep. They're on their way home. They're leaving for work. It's not the hustle and bustle. So I get to have that quiet time in the morning um, you know, sometimes I just like lay in the bed. Sometimes I scroll Facebook and Instagram. You know, sometimes I'm studying. It really depends. Um, I just like having that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, being grounded physically also means um, getting a lot of outside time. So sometimes I will get up and I'll go outside and just walk around in the grass and let like mm-hmm. the dew go all up through my toes. I'm so mad at you right now because just listening to you describe like your regular life is Mm -hmm. why I have been trying to photograph you for like two years now and do a portrait. I can't wait. (laughs) I cannot wait. If we can get it done by Thursday. Because you know I'm going to be up at 5, so why don't we just get up oh at 5.30? Oh, my God. Yes, man. You know, I the vision of the, the portrait that I have of you is in springtime. So that's a no. It's like we're not quite ready. We're not quite ready for the outside, but maybe there is something, an alternate vision that okay. I can I can have for the inside. But really, I've been holding on to this vision that's outdoors. I'm going to go with it. It's got to be outdoors. I trust you completely. With your toes in the wet grass, mm-hmm. you know, just like you were saying, in your natural queenly element. I, I'm not really sure if I could do that in D.C. Um, being home and having moved back home only a few months ago, my life is so different. And I think that part of it is because there's so much nature. Mm-hmm. I almost got attacked by a coyote wolf hybrid. What? I'm in Louisiana. What you do you said want? Coyote wolf hybrid. I didn't know which one it was. I don't know. <laughs> Is that a real thing? Yeah, it's a real oh thing. Oh my god, it's like a liger. One wild dog just. <laughs> it was five thirty. Oh my goodness. Well, we're gonna. I want to hear that story. We're gonna come back to that. But I want to hear about Jay Mills and her queen routine. Um, my queen routine. Hmm. That's an interesting question. I thought I had some answers ready. I I, I was listening to you talk about the time that you wake up. And I do believe in the power of the angelic hours of the day. I just often find that I have stayed up until four, uh, five o'clock in the morning. So it happens so easily. And once it happens, once I get to that time, it, it becomes very difficult for me to go to sleep. But uh, indeed, in a, in a perfect world, I would be waking up at that time. And when I'm really in my rhythm with my days, working for myself, and I take a nap in the middle of the day, I'm able to stay up, you know, into those creative hours and 
keep it going once I take my little crash before Jelani has to go to sleep and wake up again. Um, meditation. I think that is a certain part of my goddess routine. Uh, being a single mom, just finding the time to make for myself is something I had to learn. Uh, let me not just not make it about single because I think that um, that transition into motherhood where, you know, you share your body with a whole other human and then it comes out and it's tethered to you by the teat for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, just that whole real solitude of just silent, no thoughts. It's you have to carve that time out, you know, it gets you trying to make time to wash your hair, wash yourself, wash your clothes, eat, feed you, let alone actually like, you know, let me do my nails. Let me put on makeup, arch my eyebrows. <coughs> I need new underwear. My bra stabbed me like <laughs> that the moment of betrayal coming out. Yes. yes. That moment of betrayal where your favorite bra stabs you in the heart. <laughs> it's real. Yes. It's real and it happens. And shout out to all the moms ooh, ooh. who, um, you know, find time to take care of themselves and everybody else, man. Shout out to the <laughs> moms, the wife and moms. Oh. Um, <laughs> you really got, God bless them. Yeah, man. The wom. Wom, the wom. Yo. I'm about to be a wom. Yeah, man, you out here woman. I'm about to be a wom, and I'm, but I'm also trying to be a milf too. Hey. To, you know, I'm when I have this baby. I'm not trying to. You know, I already had a couple of days um, in the past week when I was just like in sweatpants every day, and I didn't do my makeup, and I, I don't even know if I really brushed my hair. I just kind of like put my fingers through it, mm -hmm. and I was comfortable and everything, and I got my work done, and I, you know, made it happen when I needed to happen, but then I was like, this is not me, and mm -hmm. this can't turn into me, the tiger swan. Tiger swan has to take time in the morning to think about how I feel, mm -hmm. what I want to project, um, and if I'm not feeling so good, put on something that makes me feel good so that I have that extra, mm -hmm. um, boost of like, I'm that bitch, you know, yeah. when I'm doing my work, I need that. That's mm -hmm. part of my queen routine. Um, and watering my plants in the morning too. And that's kind of like my meditational time is just, um, it's very hard for me just to like sit still at this mm -hmm. point and try to get to that blank space. Um, where there isn't a zillion things running around, I still kind of need like a mundane sort of like basic task, you know, whether it's watering my plants or making a meal to like focus on just one thing instead of a zillion things, you mm -hmm. know. One so. of the things that I found is that the more that I focus on myself and my needs, the better person I can be to other people in my life, yeah. yes. including my son, including my family, including the work that I do, mm. um, being an advocate. You know, sometimes you take on, you know, other people's pain and other people's mission. But mm -hmm. there are those of us who are empowered to do that. Mm -hmm. Not everyone can verbalize. Not everyone can be, you know, on the street holding signs. You know, there's a lot of things um, that, unfortunately, we do have to, like, pull the masses in. And so that takes a certain amount of work. Sure does. And when you're doing that, you got to check in with you, too. Yeah. 
I learned that lesson very hard when I uh, got burnt out from hmm. doing social justice work. I had to take a year and a half off because I had not been making time for me. And so everything I had was just burnt out. And I got to a point where, like, I didn't like anyone. <laughs> I was like, this isn't me, mm-hmm. you know, so I needed to take that time. I'm curious, Molly, I see you've rolled a beautiful uh, joint over there. Uh, is this part of your queen routine? You know, it most certainly (laughs) is. It's funny you should say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm big on tea. Tea and Mm -hmm. sleep and meditation. That's kind of my, my shit. And lots of baths. Hot baths. Oh, I love Uh, I love a hot bath, too. (laughs) So does my mom. Yeah. That's why I was, um. Oh, well. Saying that about the hot, the, the, the bath as a mom, like. That time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, just sitting there. By yourself. This is why when in five to six years when I have enough money, hopefully saved for a down payment for a home, the home will have a large, like, jacuzzi, jet tub, yes. something or other. In, I will have the Queen Supreme bathroom. Yep. Um, this, is, this is essential, where <laughs> I will be able to put my plants around it, and there's a window. Yes. I see it. I and candles. Yes. 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 I just want a big tub. Like it doesn't have dab jets or any of that. Just one of those soaking tubs that you can sit in and then like the water comes up to your neck. That's really all I want in life. I need a garden. <laughs> I love clawfoot tubs. Just want a big, big yeah, soaking tub. Yeah. I'm a tall, big girl. Me like. too. I'm tall. How tall are you? I'm five eight. I'm five eight. I'm five ten. I'm five ten. <laughs> Wow. Oh, well, that's right. Cool. So we need Tall a tub. Ladies. We some big women. <laughs> this is the big tubs. <laughs> One love massive. Well, for this real. Is, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to um in two weekends, my one year wedding anniversary is happening. Hey. I know. Congratulations. And uh, work it, Diva. First year of marriage has been phenomenal. How's Chris? Um, Chris 06, if you're watching, I love you. He's doing great. Um, he's brilliant and just, you know, makes me smile and laugh all the time. I'm very blessed. Um, but we're coming up on our one-year anniversary, and we are going to um, spend that time in Baltimore at the uh, 1840s Carrollton Inn. Shout out to them Check them out. Google it. 1840s Carrollton Inn. Yo, their rooms have the best bathtubs ever. And that's why we're going there. We went there um, last year right after we got married. And the the hot tub has like a, a golden swan head. Or duck head that's like spouting out, and then the little ooh, then the little uh, handles um, that you turn the water on are also like golden gilded ducks. It's the most swank thing ooh. you've ever seen, and it's, it's like like textured wallpaper everywhere, and like big heavy. It's just it's so swank and amazing. And can you smoke there? Um. <laughs> <laughs> But the you most can... important question: <laughs> What is the fine? Can you get high there? I, is there a it's pool? in Maryland. Can I open the window? So you can open windows. Okay. It but, is in Maryland. So it really is 1840s. 
Yes. Damn. It, well, it was, yeah, it's like an old historic. So the um, neighbors would probably smell the smoke? I don't know. It's like in the downtown business um, area, so I don't I don't know about that. But um, 1840s. Oh, 1840s Carrollton Inn. Carrollton Inn. I'm going to yeah. look that up, you guys. 1840s Carrollton Inn. It's really dope. Um, but we all need a good, a good soaking. Is it haunted? In our lives, hotels. Ace and I (laughs) love hotels. We go to them often. It's kind of our thing. With a nice little pool and a workout room and a courtyard. We love it. All those little extra luxuries. Find some cute little things to do. You know, yelp it out, and we just will have a little weekend out of town. Lovely. Just mother and son. You know, he's my homie. He is the greatest Mm. kid of all time. How is Ace doing? Ace is killing the game per usual. Um, They had poetry night at their school, and he performed um, three Langston Hughes poems. Oh, wow. And um, he got all A's and two B's, one in art. A B in art? And music, which he loves, which blew me, but I said whatever. Um, because you just can't trip over everything. Yeah, no. This is like, you got two Bs, that's great. How old is he now? Yeah, I mean, that's better than I was doing, that's for sure. <laughs> what grade is he in? He is in third grade. Yeah, I'm not going to trip over what? third grade. Third grade, grade and he's reading, third grade. performing Langston Hughes <laughs> but willingly. But some, some parents are very, very tough on their kids. Yeah. yeah. Some My parents mark. are like... You have to be perfect. You have to do everything right. You know, they're like on them. And I am not like that with him Mm -hmm. at all. Like, I don't even spank. Yeah. I'm I'm a non-spanker. And so, like, it's just like, I don't need to, like, yell and scream and, like, be hard on you because I'm your mom. And I'm here to provide comfort and understanding. And, you know, you can leave all that yelling stuff outside. So are there times, though, that Ace needs to be put in check? Every day. <laughs> so what are some of your best motherly, your best motherly techniques to uh, support your son, but also get his little ass in check when he needs it? Well, the easy go-to is iPad restriction. And so we start off in 12-hour increments. Explain. So if you do something bad and you get a warning and I said, don't do this again, and then he does it again... I'm going to take your iPad for 12 hours, and then I go up from there. But it's also teaching him a math lesson. So trying to work in discipline with also, like, understanding that 12 hours plus 12 hours is 24 hours, which is a whole day. And if you want to keep going, we can go to 36, which is a day and a half. Does it count when he's asleep, though? Or, like, does he go to sleep for eight hours and then No, the I just next- start. I just started right then. So, you know, if he does something at 8 p.m., then he's not going to have it until 8 a.m. the next day. And so he does not like that at all. Okay. He's in that age where, like, they have friends and they FaceTime and they play video games and, you know, they talk trash to each other and I'm all up in it. (laughs) Who said what? Uh Uh-uh. Tell him don't talk like that. (laughs) So he is eight and a half. And, and a half. He's eight and a half. He always makes me add yes. that. Um, you know, but overall, he's a good kid. He really yeah. is. I don't have to 
he's not a kid that has to get a lot of um, chastising and punishment. You know, he just kind of, <clears throat> he's just chill. Well, I'm glad to hear that. He's chill. He's like me. I'm glad to hear that because I've been having some conversations with uh, different moms over the past couple of months as I'm preparing for motherhood too, and um, especially mothers with um, black sons uh, have been talking to me about um, how at school um, they're they receive extra discipline. Yes, it's very true. Um, I had that experience from the very beginning. Um, with Ace, um, the first time that it happened, he was at a um, school that promoted itself as very diverse and inclusive. Um, but I found my son being punished for a lot of things. And I was like, I actually believe that he's bored. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he didn't go to school at all until... Maybe three. I was lucky enough, um, financially blessed enough to be able to be home with my son for two and a half years, which is has a lot to do with how he is because he wasn't like snatched out of my womb and then like taken to someone else. I really got to have that like nurturing connection day in, day out, except when you got babysat and I was just like, all right, it's time to fuck a party. <laughs> Um, but with that being said, I know him so well from the thing that you were talking about from sharing the womb mm -hmm. and like this connection is undeniable. So the child that you are telling me exists on paper is not my kid. He's not like this at all. And so I don't care what you say. He's not going on medicine. Ain't shit wrong with him. Something wrong with you. Mm. And I'm not one of those parents that's just going to listen to whatever a teacher said that don't know shit. You don't know more than me. About your child. Not about this yeah, one. No. Like, if you want to <laughs> talk about, like, chemistry and biology, maybe something like that. But about this child, absolutely not. Um, so I ended up taking him... Um, from that school, not in the middle of the year, but what they did was they moved him up a grade. And when he got moved up a grade, he really started to flourish. He really started to shine. Because he was bored in the He other... was, because he was home with me, going to all the places that I go and interacting with all the people that I'm interacting with. So he's like experiencing life through the eyes of a child in Washington, D.C., so you get to pick up different languages, you get to pick up different cultures, you get to pick up different foods. And so by that in itself, to say that, you know, he's just like completely unruly, it's like this is the same child that was like going to Marvin with me for brunch. And <laughs> <laughs> saying like all of my friends like were covering and like everyone's like passing him around and like, oh, how's Ace? Like my rule was like, well, if Ace can't come, I probably shouldn't be there. But I would still go out. I still went out to places, you know, with him, art shows and whatever. And he was never a kid to, like, run up on things and, like, break them and do all this. Mm -hmm. um, so when I did take him out of that school and put him in a different school um, that really encouraged him academically, I haven't had any problems. Mm -hmm. Like, not one. Yeah. 
That's good to hear. That's good to hear. So, like, listen to yourself. Listen to your intuition. You know, if you feel like what whatever kind of academic development is happening, you know how your child has developed from zero to four, zero to three. Mm -hmm. And so if all of a sudden they're saying, oh, something is wrong with him, there's nothing wrong with him. Yeah. There's something wrong with this system of how they judge children's behavior. Yeah, yeah. Speaking, speaking I was uh, reading this article um, uh couple of months ago and um it was suggesting that um all children are born geniuses and they actually get socialized um to be like restricted and a, and a lot of that comes from um school um preschool daycare elementary middle to high school and so <laughs> it was suggesting that um, actually, the longer that your your child is in um, the school system, the they're actually not getting smart smarter. Their genius is being like dumbed down um, because people are preparing the children to press buttons these days and just like basically get in line. Um, but there are other schools. Um, I've heard of Montessori schools that yeah. actually encourage. Um, freedom of play and discovery that Ace was helps. a Montessori. Okay, okay. He's always been a Montessori. He's definitely a Montessori kid. Um, and I like it. I'm into it. But, you know, Montessori, the way that it's structured, it is for people that are financially able to do it. Ah. Um, well, there are shout outs to DC because there are some free Montessori schools, plenty of them. Peabody, that's where I went. Um, Langdon Elementary School is around the corner from where I live, and there are several others. Um, there's also a Reggio School. Uh, shoot, the elementary that's right there by Dunbar. I can't remember its name, but there. Uh, My son went to Shining Stars, which is a free Montessori, <clears throat> um, but it took two school cycles for us to get in that school. Oh yeah, you definitely. So it might be free, but you still might not be able to get up in there. Whether it's Montessori or the foreign language immersion, or uh, my son goes to a performing arts school. He goes to City Arts and Prep, formerly William E. Dore Jr. Um, DC. Uh, I don't know if people are familiar, if you're familiar with the documentary Finding Super, Waiting for Superman, but the school lottery is real. And if you don't get your kid into the right pre-K at school, mm -hmm. with DC, it starts at pre-K at three years old, you got to get your kid in the right school so that then they can be in the right kindergarten, the right elementary that feeds into the right junior high that feeds into the right high school. And, um, man... Outside of that, they do have a lot of auditions. I think that D.C. is a blessed place with the school systems for a lot of the schools Absolutely. that are available. If you just do your research, because you live in the city, you can go to pr practically any school when the kid is young. I mean, but early. why do we have to do that? Like, why can't all schools be performing arts schools? Why can't all schools be Montessori? Why can't all schools give kids what they need to succeed? Because the money is there. That's too much like right. <laughs> this is this is what stresses me out too. Like, um, 
what y'all are saying, like making sure that your kid by the age of three gets into the right school so that they're on this track. Yeah. That feels like you have to, as a parent, like you have to plan your kid's life out like yeah. when they're three. And it seems um, <clears throat> unfair and unnecessary. Like, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I remember the days when, and it wasn't here in D.C. because I grew up in Maryland, but like. I could go to the nearest public school and be guaranteed at least a basic, like, decent general education and be safe. Um, Were you? Mm -mm. Is it? Was it good? I mean... Think about what you learned. I'm here. I made it to college. I'm I'm not saying it was, like, excellent, but it was, like, baseline, at least, like, standard, you know? And... Yeah. Um... I mean, what I meant by that is, like, sometimes I look back, you know, I'm always, like, extra woke with it all. And the Department of Education, the curriculum, the things that we're taught, the way that we're taught it, the definitions, the way that our school day is is structured as standard, and then how these other things are extra, extra programs, extra things. Like you said, you know, why isn't everything like this? Why does, why does it have to be that I had to choose between a foreign language dominant school, Elsie Whitlow Stokes, mm-hmm. or the performing arts school for my son, or uh, Bethune. Like, mm-hmm. they have all these different schools with all these great programs. Montessori. I was a Montessori kid, and the reason why I didn't choose Montessori for him was because I recall very vividly how hard it was for me to adjust to a regular school, mm-hmm. to sitting at a desk. Like, that just was so far. I still can't. Like, hmm. I was so far ahead of everybody else in school in the way that I thought and just yeah. math and reading skills, reading comprehension, public speaking. It was critical thinking the most, though. And I'm Problem not, solving. Problem solving. Organizing. Yes. My son is so organized. Self-organized, self-disciplined, all the different things. I just remember the feeling like, you know, these kids are just not that smart, but they there are a lot of things that just talk about homeschooling and I mean the the history again of the Department of Education and understanding that we we do not live linearly. You know everything that happens in the isn't always good. You know um, prior to this Department of Education, it was known that you could be a self taught individual and you were not looked down upon because you did not go or finish elementary, middle, high, or college, you know? Um, People could go to university without having gone through all of these grades and they're in their teenage years or as an adult or whatever, like the acquiring of knowledge was, was much freer and open than it is today. I talked about like, you know, what are we learning and what does it mean? You know, why why do we learn in social studies when you really look at us learning about colonialism and imperialism and the over and over history starts here. And these people in the first printed book was the Canterbury Tales and 15 things. I was on this academic. So if I just really look back at the time, like my my mind was filled with useless facts. Who gives a fuck about Magellan? Why are we learning that these people (laughs) discovered the world? Like, why are you teaching me? About, like, oh, my gosh, just just, all of this. Man, Cortez, de Cortez. For what? For what? (laughs) For what? (laughs) What? (laughs) Why are we learning about these pirates? And then this, like, we got to in 1492. You better know it. You better know these lies. That's what this 
school system is about. And I feel like, like the curriculum hasn't changed in like 50 no. years. If anything, it's getting further and further from the truth. Like they're editing more and more yeah. out. Yes, because it is mind programming. It is brainwashing. It's like, fuck what you're good at individually. Fuck what you want to do, what your natural talent is. You're going to learn all this other stuff and then you're going to get a job and then you're going to work your job because you got to pay bills. And then when you're 65, you can retire maybe. and do what you yeah, always maybe. Wanted to do. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, what but, the fuck? But you're not going to be able to do it because you're going to be old as fuck. Right. Like, and your hips are going to hurt. And you're not going to have any money for Social Security. Right. right. You're How is this going okay? to be alone. So, this your big the... adventure is like walking to the grocery store. Crazy. If you can walk. Crazy. This it, used to be right. like the land of milk and honey and the streets are paved with gold. It never was America that. It make, never was with that. The American dream, whatever you want to do, Mm-mm. be it. Now it's no, no. Fuck your dreams. Mm-hmm. Fuck what you're good at. Go to school. Work, work, work. Get good grades. Yeah. Learn what they want you to learn. Yeah. Memorize that shit. Yeah, don't buck the system. Don't Just buck get in the, line. Don't ask no questions. Just don't. get in line. Get in line. I always ask questions. Mm, I, I just, I don't know. For me, growing up, and, and I went to a lot of different schools, so I heard these narratives you're talking about over and over again. And um, it always, like, after after a while, it just kind of infuriated me because I was like, why am I learning about the Civil War again? Like, we've <laughs> learned about the Civil War for, like, Every year. eight years, you know? And I'm like, what about... I, I just, I got to a certain point where I was like, well, what about black people? Like, what about Asian and Latino people? Like, what's going on in other countries? What's going on in anywhere other than America and Europe, basically? Mm-hmm. Yes. You know? And um, I just kept asking questions to my teachers and like kind of challenging in that sort of frame of mind. What about this? That doesn't make sense to me. Um, Were you ever like kicked out of class or? No, I was fortunate that I had um, light skin privilege. I was they would have threw my black class. ass down a damn step so no. quick. Stayed getting kicked out of class for. Me I too. I, uh, I didn't. I asked questions all the time, and some of some of my teachers, um, you know, would find it cumbersome. But most of them encouraged me to keep asking questions. Um, I think it was because I was also like obedient. It wasn't like I was unruly and like talking out of turn. Like I'd raise my hand, I'd talk to the teacher after class. I like, was unruly. like I, was I really cared. Um, That's good. Did somebody <laughs> so, teach you that, or did you just have that self awareness to well be kind? I grew up well. My my mother and my grandmother, who are Caucasian. Um, raised us in a and me in a household that children should be seen and not heard and so that really kind of stuck with me about um when like I had to be conscious about when I spoke um my mom always told me you better think before you speak and so um in a way it was kind of like oppressive but in another way is very much preparing me um, to be a strategic thinker and assess my landscape before taking action, which is something. What's that, that like? <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes it, what is for my life, um, thinking before I speak has at times felt enraging, like I'm bottling sure. rage, it, depending <laughs> on um, the environment that I'm in. If I'm in a room, you know, with uh, mostly old older white folks or a conservative place like when i'm out in frederick maryland visiting family and stuff like 
I'm very careful about what I say and how I frame it um, versus when I'm here on this show or in Washington, D.C. in a right. liberal crowd of people, younger people, more progressive people. Um, not that I don't want to challenge and agitate um, folks who have different values or may say racist things or repeat the um, narratives that we know not to necessarily be true. Um, I want to counter that naturally, but then I'm also like, how much energy is this going to take? How <laughs> yeah. is it going to affect R my mood? Risk versus reward. You know, like, are these people actually going to be changing? Are they going to come and join a march, you know, based on this one conversation? You know, no. So a lot of times... Um, I'll be passive aggressive about things, which I don't know if that's the best, but it's just how I have um, survived um, um, Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> Maryland outside of what we consider the DMV, actually. Um, if it's, if, you know, DMV, we're talking about uh, Montgomery County, Prince George's County, D.C., and then like, Alexandria. Yes, Alexandria. <laughs> it's getting further and further. Out. I know. If you're not a part of those like counties immediately, maybe Arlington. Maybe. Maybe Arlington we, and not Alexandria. I don't know. See, I don't even go there that much, so I, I don't do even not know. Go to Virginia. It's just all, I don't go. Wait, I'm and there's from a DC, there's a Fairfax so. too. There's a Fairfax. Fairfax too. is not in the. That's DMV. not DMV. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, Fairfax, but you're not invited. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't know. I'm inclusive. still terrified of Fairfax County. If <laughs> the Beltway comes through you, you're in the DMV. I like that. I mean, I feel like you DMV, it's that. D.C., Maryland, Virginia. I feel like even like Norfolk is still the DMV. No. I mean, I, I'm just if saying. I have to dial Norfolk one. Norfolk is, is seven cities. You are cities. not in the DMV. That's like four hours from here. I mean, I'm just saying that's technically what DMV it's stands for. Yeah. Technically, no. I mean, Norfolk and like technically, you know, it's a reference to the metropolitan, like you would call it the tri-state area. But that's not yes. talking about all of it. That's a very specific part. Yeah, that little of that circle. region. The DMV is just this little part right here. When people be like, "Oh, you from Maryland," and the only thing they think of is Baltimore. Now they're like, "Oh, you from the DMV?" And they understand that you're part of DC and not Baltimorean. You're not a Baltimite. Hey, Baltimore. A Baltimite. <laughs> I used to live in Baltimore. I love Baltimore. Shout out Baltimore. Baltimore. So tell us, you have lived, like, you're in Atlanta right now, but wrong. Ooh. Wait, what? I am not in Atlanta. Where are you, Angela? I am in Louisiana. I remember her saying Louisiana, well, but yes. not New Orleans, though. Ace is in Atlanta. Okay. Ace is living with his father. But you're in Louisiana. I'm in all the places, all the time. I'm worldwide. Where in Louisiana hmm. are you? I am living in my family home. No, but I mean, like, where in Louisiana? Baton Rouge. Okay, okay, Baton Rouge, mm. in the in the capital. It's capital, right? Right. Yeah, it's, it's public the education. Red <laughs> <laughs> so, but <laughs> you lived in D.C. for like. A really long time. 25 years. Yeah, exactly. And wow. I just like laugh. You're a Washingtonian. Straight up. So I always tell people that um, I grew up in Louisiana, but I became a woman in D.C. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, all right. So, wait, Molly, you were going to I was just going to ask if you were from Louisiana, but then you yes. answered that question. Okay, okay. So, um... I wanted to ask you more about this wildlife situation in Louisiana. You had seen a what? A coyote? I got wolf? a list. 
hybrid? I have a list of animals that I've seen. So uh, tell us more about the difference in culture um, that you notice between Washington, D.C. and Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It's very similar. Okay. It's very, very similar. Having grown up in Baton Rouge really allowed me to thrive in D.C. as a young person. How so? Because Baton Rouge is a crazy-ass fucking city, and anything can happen at any time. That sounds like America. But (laughs) so is D.C. Right. It's a crazy city. Anything can happen at any time. And when I moved here, um, I was 19. And... The city was just alive. It was just on fire. I was like, yes. What year was this? This was 1999. Okay. No. Yes, 1999. And it was just like the best place in the world. Like people like dream of a place to live. I always wanted to live in D.C. Me too. I always wanted to. I was like, this is the most powerful place in the world, and I want to be here. Proximity power is very important. Mm -hmm. And so you can take that how you want it. But having lived here and um, left home at kind of an early age, like when I think about it, I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? Like, I just (laughs) left. (laughs) I I did the same thing. I was like, I'm out, and I'm leaving tomorrow. 18 in two months. You're out. And I never went back. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. I'm back. Do what you got to do, son. So, um, you know, it's cool. The queen is back. queen is back. And you're here, you're in Louisiana taking some special kind of classes where you're one of the only women, correct? Yes. What is, tell us about that. Um, I am at LSU. Louisiana State University, and I'm getting a degree in environmental engineering. Hey! So I am going back to college at 40. Well, all right. And I'm doing something totally new, totally revolutionary, and I'm going to, like, create my own utopia that is real because I can build shit. What, can, what are you going to build? I'm going to build whatever I want because I'm going to be an engineer. Yeah. I can build a house. I can build an apartment building. I can build a condo. I can build a parking garage. I can build whatever I want. And so one of the things that we will never be able to have more of is land. And so when people are thinking about their future and what kind of future they want to have, they need to be thinking primarily about land because we're not getting any more of that and so if you have your land are you going to put a house on it is it going to be a farm how many people can live there are you going to stay there forever are you going to build more what do you want to do with your little piece of the world how do we get land though leave dc (laughs) number one Number one. That is something on a lot of people's Because I left D.C., I'm able to think of myself and humanity in a larger space Mm -hmm. because I actually have the mental capacity to think about something other than rent. Oh, my God. 
All of that Talk space. About it. What does this sorcery speak of? <laughs> you know. Not worry about rent. And so, like, every day when I get up, I always think of the three things that I'm grateful for. And one of the things that I find myself coming back to is I'm grateful for my grandparents. I'm grateful that they built this house and it was paid for and there was this land and it was always going to be there for whoever wanted to come back to it whenever they wanted to come back for whatever reason. And it's not like, you know, this, you know, I'm not living, you know, like the freaking Waltons. It's not like that. Nobody I'm, is. But when we. <laughs> I don't even know who they are. So <laughs> the owners it, of Walmart. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. So yeah. when no. I was a kid, it was like kind of on the outskirts of town. But since I've been gone, my little corner is jumping. We got everything over that bitch. There's a <laughs> mall now. There's like a bus line. We got Buffalo Wild Wings, <laughs> a Staples. There's an anthropology over there. It's like gentrified as fuck. And so now I don't have to like go into town to do things. I'm like, it's you, time. You have a piece of black-owned land. Mm-hmm. That's that's beautiful. And um, I hope to have that one day too. Right. And so I want to do more than hope to have that. I want to work towards getting that and like understanding that if I'm gonna do my thing in America, this is how it has to be done. There's really no other way. Yeah. But is there hope of owning property in DC? No, the federal government rich? owns every. <laughs> You know, bit of dirt and this whole joint. That you never own the land when you own property in D.C. No. So what are we going to do, ladies? Leave D.C. I mean, I'm not saying that you have to leave because I actually want to come back. Like when I finish my program, um, which will be in two or three years, depending on how loud I want to turn my black girl up, mm. um, it could be done. If I buckle down, which I've been doing, I got a 3.0 my first semester. Congratulations. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, I just had midterm. And so I'm shooting for a 4.0. That's the goal. Because when I get that done, then I can get the free money coming in. Okay. And then I don't have to pay for it my damn self. I can let someone else pay for it. And so having lived in D.C., having seen so much... Um, especially politically, even on a local level and a national level, I feel like the way that I move in Baton Rouge is different. Mm-hmm. For sure. I always say DC is where you sharpen your sword, but you Most gotta definitely. need mm-hmm. to see and understand you do. your power. You do. One of my um, high school friends, we were just like hanging out talking. <clears throat> he was like, you've gotten more done in three months than some people have gotten done. In their life. That been here. <laughs> and I was like, I know what I want to do. And there's something really powerful in just like knowing what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And it took me having a kid, living in a crazy city, and touching different parts of life to understand that. Mm-hmm. And I love that about D.C. because I can, like, be a part of whatever I want to be a part of because it's all right there. Mm-hmm. Like, you can go to a punk club. You know, you can mm-hmm. go to Howard. You can go to, you know, the GW Hospital. You can go to Georgetown. You know, you can go up into the Palisades. You can go up to Adams Morgan, and you see so many different types of people. 
and we're all here together. And so I think that leaving here, I miss that. Yeah, that is one of the things I love about D.C. the most and one of the reasons why I always wanted to move here and be here. Um, again, because I knew it was a place where powerful people were and important things were happening. And uh, two, because of that, the, uh, the amount of diversity. And I just wanted to be around like different people and cultures um, because coming from Western Maryland, um, you know, I just... Is very homogenous, and mm -hmm. so I just crave like learning and being around different types of people and cultures and languages, and you know, um, that is the beauty, part of the beauty of this city. It's a really great yeah. city. I um, love what you said about sharpening your skills. Absolutely, DC is the. Yep, definitely where you yeah. sharpen your sword. Sure. And um, it's interesting what you were saying about buying land and whatnot. I was uh, thinking about some, some things I learned when I was 14 working uh, as like an intern with this real estate agent. Um, rest in peace, Valerie Green. Uh, awesome, awesome uh, real estate agent who had her own uh, real estate uh, acquisition company and taught me how easy it was to buy land and that we should be looking to buy at all times and never, ever, ever, ever rent. And my mother um, also was big on that. Um, she attributed it to being from the South where that's just what you did. You that bought your own what land. You do. You know, to like them. when you're 18? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the plan. Renting is like sharecropping. Like they understood that you don't own it if you're renting it and that they can go up and down on the price. And the only way to control where you're living is if you own the land you live on and build the house <laughs> or at least know how to do it. You know, they knew how they were constantly expanding on the homes and the things that they built, add another floor, add another part to the back, you know, adding all these different things. And we've lost a lot of those skills. We've lost that mentality when we came to the city. And there are a lot of things that were that were done in the public planning and urban planning to take away ownership possibilities for people of color where you were not allowed to live in the condominiums. We don't even know. So many don't even think of condos. They can think of apartments. They know what an apartment is. They have no idea what a condo is and that it's the same exact thing. Only instead of paying this rent, you're paying a third of that. Half at most if it's your mortgage. But you got to have that uh, savings and, you know, that so down payment. So we're taught to buy a car. We're taught that the first thing we need to do is move out and rent. And you'll never save that up. But if you were culturally taught to own land, you would never rent. You would stay home until you had enough money right, to wasn't. put on the down payment, not for a car, but for a home, for land. And then after that, now that you now you can save money while you're living in your house, you know, you're you move on to the next one for first rental property. Now you got residual income and you in a new house. Keep it going, flip it. You know, we watch it on HGTV. We watch and see all these different entities that are that are buying properties and doing all these different things. And it, it could be us, but it's not because so many people are not thinking about owning. You know, you can own a condominium for $60,000. In Baltimore, the prices are so cheap. I it's know. crazy. 
It's crazy. It's crazy. Right now, you can get a whole one or two bedroom, three bedroom, four bedroom for less than $50,000. $20,000 and you can own a one bedroom joint that looks nice. Like, and I, look it up. Just look condos for sale and look and see how much that monthly mortgage is. Yeah. It's, it, it's, but again, it's a mentality. It's sacrificing. It's choosing. It's deciding what it is that you want to do. And, and knowing, you know, just how to kind of work the system for yourself and yeah. not let it work you. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of uh, not letting the system work you, but us working the system, ladies, what are we going to do about this gun violence in the United States, especially in our schools? Um, we have two mothers here, soon to be three. Um, and Molly, I know that you have folks that you love, um, nieces, nephews, family, you know, going to school and... For sure. Um, what are we going to do about this shit right now? Um, the, uh, the national rifle association seems to be wielding, uh, just way too much power with their money, um, in politics as they always have. But, um, you know, we can't get any kind of, uh, even basic, uh, legislation passed to reform the age that someone can get a gun to, um, restrict the, um, type of, of assault weapons, um, that a regular person can get. Um, and we've got, uh, what was it? Like 800 solidarity marches, I think around the, the world. Mm -hmm. um, for the march of our lives, you know, to end gun violence. But mm -hmm. I just, in my heart, I feel like it's not enough. The march is not enough. It's not because this conversation is, is being held in a vacuum that offends my black, black soul. As if we have not marched about gun violence against us that's perpetuated against police. My thoughts about that when we talk about the schools, we talk about police, we talk about everything is either everybody gets a gun or nobody gets a gun. And you're going to have this argument and find out that it's absolutely ridiculous to say that everybody should have a gun, right? That's, that's crazy. But the, everybody can right now. There's an eight-year-old getting a gun. You know, I people are taught to shoot at 12 easily in my family who's from Texas and, and Georgia. Like, people shoot at young ages with high-powered rifles all the time. Like, that shit is common. It's common. What are we talking about here? As Just as easily as there are young black boys that shoot guns and buy guns that they can get on the street. Like, Guns don't kill people. People kill people. And we live in a society that's based on pirates. Why do we even have the Second Amendment in the first place? Because you stole this land. So you needed guns because they were coming for that ass to get it. You needed guns to protect the land that never belonged to you in the first place. So are we going to have a real conversation? about guns and who has them and why we feel like we need them and we're going to keep tap dancing around the elephant in the room and make this some ridiculous argument that once held in the vacuum can never rise because it's not real. Like, you want no guns? Let's talk about it. No guns. Let's talk about countries that have no guns where the police don't have guns. Because maybe, just maybe, you know, if we really had everybody come to this consensus, then there would truly be a shift in the paradigm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I was, I think, well, a couple of things. I um, think I, it was on Facebook today, <clears throat> and I'm terrible because I'm forgetting the, the media source that it was from. But I read um, a statistic that in the United States, for every 100 people, there's 101 guns. So there's more, there's a gun per person um, in this nation, plus some. Um, and that in um, Japan and... Uh, England, you know, there's like basically no gun violence because they don't allow people to have guns. And the people that um, do have guns um, have to go through like a year long process, basically, of screening and different tests and training. Um, whereas like here in the United States, like you could you could buy a gun in like a matter of five minutes, depending on where you go. Um and so I don't know. I'm curious. I mean, I personally think that we shouldn't have any guns. Um, I kind of feel like if you want to kill me, you need to come up and stick me. Like, give me a fighting chance. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Death with honor. You know? Yeah. Bring that shit um, back. Well, and, you know, and a lot of people, like, I just think severely underestimate, like, the reality of a situation. Like, so you're protecting yourself. Someone comes in your house, like... Do you like you're really cool with killing somebody? Like even if they were coming for you, yeah. Like, yes. Yes, like sir. I'm not. Like no. I'm not. Like no. I don't feel that my life is more valuable than someone else's. You know, and regardless of whether or not they're they're coming at me, like that's gonna f- fuck with me. You know what I mean? There's no real winning there. If, like nobody had guns, it would just yeah. be a lot better. You know what I mean? Like it's just not so simple as like. Oh yeah, just stab him, protect yourself. Like, uh, you know, that everything comes with a consequence. You know, energy is energy, and so like, it's it's um, yeah. All these people who just think that they need guns in order to protect themselves. It's like you know, yeah. I'm Forty-two. I, I haven't needed one yet. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want a gun. Um, I have no desire to have one. For what? I I, I don't want to do that. I think that we should take all the guns off the market. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's my position. I don't think anyone needs to have one. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we need to keep this kind of, like, barbaric society that we live in. Like, we could have a totally different society, a better society in every way, if we wanted one. And the oh, only absolutely. reason that we don't have one is because people with power and money and money are controlling it and they so keep their money. you know they want to keep talking about oh we got to protect 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 you're not protecting anyone mm-hmm. there's nothing to protect like we have to lose this war mentality that's why we're in like 87 wars right now yeah as we speak like, like we 2, never children have been murdered in like a uh uh since 2012 like children in schools from i mean it's shootings. just like man, I'm, I'm, come he, I'm here for the paradigm shift man it's all about life it's literally about life and death and the personification of those cultures it's not about color or class, or creed, or ethnicity. It's about a very interesting moral definition of what it is to truly be human. Are we good or nah? You know? Nah. Right now, it feels like nah. At the same time, it feels like there's a rise of yes. I do. Too. People I agree. who are like nah, nah, nah. Like how we're having this conversation right now. Like fuck that. Nobody needs a gun. 
I don't think so. Like, you just don't. It should yeah. not be that easy to take a human life. Yeah. No. It should not. It shouldn't cost a, p- a penny for what it yeah. takes to end a life. Bullets should cost, like Chris uh, Rock had a point, if bullets mm-hmm. cost $1,000 a pop, right? you would feel differently <laughs> about shooting them. There wouldn't be no stray people mm-hmm. getting shot. Never. They walk up to you like, bow, $1,000 a bullet. I'm going to make sure. You know, we don't value life mm-hmm. at all. And, you know... I don't know, man. It's not to say that, you know, violence, like we really have to look at humans and, you know, it's it, that's why I say it's bigger than black and white because, I mean, we're the Genghis Khan and <laughs> we, we've been killing Mayans. They was decapitating. Like, we, we've, we've done some pretty bad things. Aztecs. It's wilding. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> cultures have done a lot of bad things, but I tell you Without what, guns. here in D.C., like, there's a gun ban. I know that people still find a way to have guns. I don't agree with gun bans at all. I think that all it does is set up for criminal praise. Right. Yeah, like, but in D.C., we used to be the murder capital. you can't capital. have a gun in D.C. at all? There's... There's legally a gun ban here. Oh, yeah. Um, not, yeah. not anymore. You, you, I think you, what is it, a shotgun that you can have? I know they, they mm. did kind of lift it a little bit. We so. need to find out. Yeah. Um, but I know that, or I was told that, um, uh, so in the fight for statehood, for D.C. to have autonomy, um, control its own budget, budget, not have to get approval from Congress for the laws that we pass, et cetera, that... Um, we were right there and almost actually were granted statehood, but it was under the condition that D.C. repealed its gun ban. Um, and we, at the time, we said no. Like, we're not going to get rid of the gun ban because we're not going to go back to being a murder capital. And hence, we still don't have statehood. I think it's ridiculous to think that a ban That's on crazy. guns stops it from being the murder capital. Yeah, but we're not the murder capital anymore. But that has nothing to do with the ban on guns. That has to do with removal of crack from the streets. I say that because, like, when you take the guns, law-abiding citizens buy guns legally. Criminals do not buy guns legally. Banning guns will not stop criminals. It will kind of just cause it to go up. Because now they assume if you're a law-abiding citizen, you don't have a gun. Get our little history going on here, because I want to know for real what's happening. Um, well, I would like to add that part of the reason that I'm for a full gun ban is that children kill so many people with guns, yeah. and so the reality of the situation is that like toddlers kill more people than like some wars that we've been in. You know, a two-year-old will get a gun and shoot a Mm four-year-old or shoot themselves or shoot their parents or, you know, they just don't know because when I, sometimes when I watch cartoons with my son, I'm kind of like, the program, Mm -hmm. it starts early. Mm -hmm. The shoot them up, bang, bang. Mm -hmm. The fascination with, you know, everything being weaponized and 
the fascination with war games, it starts so early for girls and boys, you know, the sword fighting or I'm going to stab you, I'm going to beat you up, you know, I'm going to kick your butt. Like all of that is just so natural on TV that it's kind of sickening. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Again, I I know that I'm uh, influenced by my, my upbringing. I think about growing up in spending my summers in Houston and whatnot, and as things were really crazy in the early 90s and whatnot in D.C., my cousin's talking about, you know, how it is, my mom talking with family members about how it just couldn't get that but so bad. And that's not to say nothing because, you know, Third Ward, you know, shout-outs to Houston, H-Town. It's not like there's no violence there. But uh, I always joke about, like, how Southern hospitality exists because they have weapons the way they do. So you're extra nice and you're extra courteous and you speak. And when you make eye contact, you're polite because you don't want there to be a mistake and somebody to accidentally get offended. Because everybody, every grandmother, mother, son, uncle, cousin, ain't no running up on somebody Mm -hmm. and disrespecting them or trying to rob them because you think, "Uh uh-uh. You gotta pay homage to everyone that you see in their car, on their person, concealed. You have in her in grandma bag. She got the pistol. Don't mess with nobody, you know. And crime is not as high. It's not as rampant. You're not that that peace that you get from down there. That man, when you up north, you you see it. You feel it being gone. It's so Mm -hmm. interesting. I mean, how do you feel? With Louisiana and Baton Rouge and just like that culture of not D.C. What's the how to? Well, in terms of, you know, violence, you know, the verdict just came Mm -hmm. down about Alton Sterling, who Mm -hmm. was killed on camera Mm -hmm. um, in Baton Rouge was Mm -hmm. a huge source of division for the city. Um, And so. I don't know what to expect when I go home. Mm, I just saw that's a crazy thing. I don't know what to expect. Yeah. I think that, you know, growing up in Baton Rouge, um, I think there was a sense of safety in a way, but you knew what the dangers were. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't feel that there was random acts of violence, mm-hmm. like a school shooting um, I felt like it was more um, turf wars, you know, gang violence, drug violence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, every every now and there, and there would be some like family drama that would kick off, and somebody gets shot. I yeah. seen a fight break out over mm-hmm. shrimp at Tufay. Mm. It can happen. Yep. Um, Crab legs will get somebody shot. Right. Especially if it's already tensions are high. I seen it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so. You know, it is there. Um, Almost everyone that I knew had a gun Mm -hmm. growing up Um, or several hunting and, you know, fishing and being outside was like very normal. But, you know, the the kind of like drive by violence, people getting robbed, all that stuff, that's from crack. Mm -hmm. That's from heroin. You know, Mm -hmm. that is from... Of drugs infiltrating um, our communities that were already close and tight knit, so it was easy to have like a whole block of people, a whole group of friends, um, a whole section of a family being addicted to drugs because mm-hmm. everyone's really close. 
Yeah, Everyone's really horrible. physically close, um, emotionally close. Mm -hmm. I feel closer to my brothers and sisters being home. Like the people that I hang out with are definitely my cousins. They're definitely people that I've known for a while. So I do feel safer at home because, mm -hmm. like, people are going to give a fuck if I'm not home at night, right. mm -hmm. which is not necessarily something um, you can count on in D.C. Well, yeah. I want to clarify, since we were talking about it, what the actual gun laws are in D.C., um, okay. just to get our learn on. Yeah, um, let's go. Because I don't want to be putting out incorrect information out here. So, according to Wikipedia, it says that in D.C., all firearms have to be registered with the police by the terms of the Firearms Control Regulation Act of 1975. However... Um, that law pro used to prohibit the possession of handguns, even mm -hmm. in private citizens' homes. Mm -hmm. But then in 2008, yes, recently. in the Supreme Court case, the um, District of Columbia versus Heller, mm -hmm. the Supreme this Court ruled that the Second Amendment acknowledges and guarantees the right of individuals to possess and carry firearms. And so our gun ban on handguns was uncons unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. So then... In um, 2012 and 2015, there were um, reductions, it says, made to D.C. laws um, under threat of lawsuits from gun owners and yep. prospective gun owners. And so some parts of the district's gun registration law, um, they're just saying that some parts of it were unconstitutional and other parts of it being um, upheld, you know, it, it didn't make sense. So... Mm -hmm. Um, at this point, um, in order to bear a firearm as a private citizen in D.C., you still have to register with the police. You have to go through an NCIC background check and submit fingerprinting. Um, you get your photograph taken. You have to take an online gun safety course. Um, the residents have to declare what address the firearm will be kept at. Um... And there is a 30-day period between purchases of successive handguns. So you can't just be purchasing gun after gun. So there are some mm -hmm. um, restrictions in place to slow the purchase and use um, of the handgun. But still, um, I don't know. I don't know if like an online course is uh, really preparing someone um, to safely use a firearm. I don't know what's all entailed with it, but um, yeah, I'm I'm still um, I'm still with Angela. I just like if you want to get someone, like give them the dignity of a fighting chance. Like you gotta stab me stab or something. Me. Don't. Mm. <laughs> I don't. No. I'm not trying to go down by gun violence and be a statistic in America. No, man, I feel you. Remember, I started off by saying like if we have this argument that everybody should have a gun, it becomes ridiculous. Like, come on, really? Everybody? No. So that means the answer is no. nobody. nobody. Yeah. Nobody should have a gun. I don't. I just don't <clears> think that we need. I don't think we need them. I don't. You know, and as someone who is going to be, well, I am a mother, but going to be um, bringing a child into this world and, you know, whether I stay in D.C. or move back to Maryland, um, you know, like, is the school that I'm going to put my child in safe? You know, how do, how no. do you navigate that? It is absolutely unsafe. I just, it is uh, unsafe for us to go out as adults 
it really, really is when you look at it from a statistical point of view. Um, gun violence is the scariest thing right now because I even find myself like when I'm studying in the library, like I go to the second floor and I go all the way to the back every mm -hmm. time so that if like some crazy person comes into the library, at least I have a fighting chance of survival. And that's not like, me being paranoid. That could happen. That's real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It could happen because it happens all the time it happens every day. every day every minute like right now someone is getting gunned down and it's just senseless it really is that's all I can think about and it's a shame that we have to think about that um, and also that a lot of people are desensitized because it is happening in this country so much and because they force you to find out about everything that happens all the time every day like it's local news it's pertinent to you right now like it's not but i'm gonna find out about what happened any place yeah like it's breaking news on all the channels and we're going to interrupt and they it's fear mongering it's like, such it really, gaslighting really, uh, you make it seem as if that's all that happened in all uh, across the whole country that's the best thing you can talk about today i do think that there needs to be more positive stories on the news to balance what mm -hmm. happens um but at the same time we are in dc and you know under the nose of the federal government so we're hella woke about what happens nationally and internationally i feel like here for and sure we also know that there are things that happen that the, it's all propaganda you know there are uh, if i take it back again to the march and we look at how the media has covered the way black people have marched against police violence of even if it was police violence against unarmed children. When we talk about the over brutality of police officers in school, that police officer that tackled that little girl to the ground, like broke her arm. When we shut things down and we talk about this, we, we are heavily silenced. And <sighs> the ideals that influence people to make these choices, that culture is what ultimately needs to change. Because whether it was automatic rifles or just mobs taking over blocks or lynchings and postcards about it, it's the same fear-mongering tactics to desensitize people to the murders and the injustice and the violence and, you know, get you in a place where you're polarized and you're forgetting that you can be human. You know, it, it's not a black and white thing. You know, will you or will you not kill somebody? It's hard to say that. But if the if my child was about if there's something I could do, if pulling a trigger would save my kid's life, I'm pulling that trigger For without sure. a hesitation. Or if somebody I love is in direct danger and I have the ability to stop that. I probably will, you know. But, but what kind that, of society do we live in? Right, that, how do we change the culture? I mean, that's a I don't real know reaction. why do jaguars, I mean, nature is violent. Like, no, sometimes it's not. Happen. People are violent. Americans are violent. 
that would be to say that violence didn't exist before us. Like, there was not always America. guns. Guns no, are a highly no. Sometimes new they were poison thing. darts. I mean, whether it was a bullet going pew, pew, or stick That's going not the same. That's not the same. You're still dying. I, I'd rather take a poison dart. No. You can, <laughs> you can kill hundreds of people in a minute with a rifle. You cannot kill a hundred people with a dart. With poison darts. <laughs> no, sky. it's not the same. Yeah. It's not the same. Like Twelve at a time. You know, they're in the trees. <laughs> Well, as as creatives, <laughs> as creatives, as as uh, as entrepreneurs, as mothers, as women, how do we take some steps to change the culture? Like, what can we actually do? Love, yo. I feel like women. I always say, you know, we're either a good witch or a bad witch, and many wars have been fought over a woman. How many times has a woman? instigated some things or in the presence of a woman a man felt disrespected and her reaction to that situation instead of being peace incites it now when it comes to gun violence and stuff like that like that's not really related like what can we do oh my god i don't know i'm, I'm saying a lot because i i cry and i pray because i have a black son and i know that i every time i see a story it just rips me apart you know my brother was wrongfully arrested and they didn't enter him improperly they um left his car in the street his stuff in the car like we were terrified we thought that he was robbed and killed somewhere like we was just trying to find out where his body was going to be before we finally popped up in the system you know um i even had my own story of like being caught up in the system kept for three days for my smart ass mouth so when i think about sandra bland like, that could have been me. Like, I have somebody that went to high school with me who was shot four times, 15. He lived. So, literally, the quote is, the news never cared because he lived. If he had died, maybe he'd have got the marches and they would have said something. It would have been such a tragedy, but it was a miracle and he survived. But I knew then and there that, oh, yeah, there's no such thing as being safe. None. None. I. It ain't I, safe. It ain't safe. It ain't, it safe, ain't safe. Whether it's the police or whether it's the streets. When I was in elementary school, this girl was killed by a stray bullet that went through her window. And for years, I was terrified to sit by a window in D.C. Would not sit by a window. When I was a kid, ever. we left school. We had a little crew, you know, a little rat pack, a little crew. And we used to just get into dumb shit. Like, you know, what kids do. They run around. They buy chips. You know what I mean? <laughs> they buy fruit punch. They have a dance off. Yeah, you know, you do. play dodgeball all yeah. day. Said basketball. We buy chips. Right, you know, somebody chips. gets, you know, sand thrown in their eyes. So that's the whole thing. Get some water. Get some water. You coming back outside? Okay. And so we were like rolling with our crew and we're like walking up the street and I'll never forget and we saw a car roll up on this dude and shoot out the car and skate off um and we like literally walked up to the body I think I was 11 Mm. and I was like I'm out of here and we all left, we, you know, no one ever we we don't know whatever happened wow, whether he lived or died but like, it can happen like that yeah well, 
I don't know if you know about this, Angela, but myself, Mills, and Molly are running for the D.C. Democratic State Committee. Um, I do know that. I do know that. Um, Facebook is um, <laughs> my page, just in case you didn't know. I just We're use Facebook as my platform. But um, I'm very much connected to D.C., and, you know, I'm following all the local news, you know, all the politics, because, you know, D.C. is still my home in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, it's our home. We well, still live here. No, y'all run it. We rep this city. Mm-hmm. Y'all run this city. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're running for a D.C. Democratic State Committee. It's the Democratic Party, basically, in D.C., and uh, they're responsible for voter outreach and education, advocating for statehood, and holding elected officials accountable to Democratic values. And so... Um, this is a really real question for us as people who are running, um, who will be in uh, spaces with um, powerful Congress people um, where we don't have statehood recognition. Um, we will be in rooms with other powerful community people that can mobilize folks. We will be in spaces with uh, D.C. council members and other elected officials. Um, who have the power to make laws and enforce things here in the district. So, um, you know, this, this uh, issue of gun violence in schools or in our communities, um, you know, we have to be voices that advocate and represent uh, the interests and, and the public good um, for D.C. residents. And so... Um, you know, I, I am definitely a a proponent of a gun ban. I just, again, I don't think that anyone needs that. Um, I am interested in speaking with our whole slate about where our values lie on that and what consensus we can make collectively to take a stance on that and publish papers and repeat that message in Congress and with our, our council members, um, and get students involved in the voting process. Um, because they're, they're the ones with the most at stake. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm just curious, uh, what your ladies thoughts are on what you want to do with your power. (laughs) My power? Yes! There's no power. Yes! We we haven't even, you know, been elected yet. Doesn't matter. Whether we're elected or not, we can still get up in the room and be at the table. But we are getting elected. Facts, facts, facts. facts. Well, you know, um, I mean, honestly, Nikki, I'm I'm getting involved in all of that because I want to learn and understand how things work. Uh, and not so much really put my opinion into it, but kind of like see what's going on and and kind of go with what I think is best based on what's there, uh, because I don't feel really knowledgeable enough to really uh, make any major statements about what I what I would do. Um, you want to assess the landscape? Yes, because <laughs> uh, it's all very new. You know, I'm not new. I'm not uh, you know hip to this political game at all in D.C. So. Well, that's why you should be running, because people that are hip to the politics and the games and the scheming, you know, we want some fresh energy, some fresh eyes, open perspective, um, and new energy up in uh, the Democratic Party. For sure. You know? For sure. What do you think, Jay Mills? Um... (laughs) I think that uh, Molly rolled up some fire. First and foremost, (laughs) 
also that in my position, I would like to really, really focus on educating the masses about local government and what each different role does, who is in these roles and what they're responsible for. Um, really looking at this, the nuances of what people need and teaching them like who to direct that complaint to, exactly what office it is that you need to be calling, visiting, emailing, messaging, and whatnot, and, and just really making sure that we're activating all of the possible avenues that we have to create change. You know, I entered into running to fully, fully, truly see, because I'm the type of person got to touch something to see if it's hot, you know. It's a gift and a curse, but I got to learn. Mm-hmm. And as revolutionary uh, as revolutionary as I am, as much of a historian as I am, as much as I get on my whole, you know, we are civilized and have always been and didn't have to find Western culture to be so. Um, also knowing that Western culture is completely imitating us. There, if you look at ancient Rome as it followed ancient Greece as it followed ancient Egypt which is a follower of ancient Nubia and whatnot like government these ideas it's not new so the question then becomes the system isn't broken then it must be the people in it that are just not doing it right maybe if different people were in the system then they could work so it's an idea. It's an idea. I'm not sure. It but it's a good idea. idea. I get close. No, it's a great you idea. You got to be in it. It's a great idea. Because that's the other piece. If, right. it's, if I get in there. I'm in there. And I see that I have led myself into a burning house. Hey. I mean, hey. I'm in there. You're I'm in, in there. here now. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, uh, I I like that metaphor. Uh, the the America United States um, could be seen as a burning house right now. <laughs> I mean, Martin Luther King literally That's said that. that. <laughs> he said, "I have a fear that um, I've integrated my people into a burning house." Yeah, you know, but we in mm. it, and Rest so it's, it's time to yeah. fight and uh, mm-hmm. put the water on it and Ancestors whatever activate. whatever else we, we need to do to put the fire but out. Our powers combined. Yes. Yeah, I mean, there has to be more and more and more solidarity. There has to be more intersectionality. There have to have more programs like this where we have different people doing things that they are passionate about and bringing information Mm -hmm. because there's so much that people don't know. Just the things that you were talking about today just made me think so much about just like basic financial literacy. Mm Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. many people just have no idea. Never been taught it. They have no idea how to go from their parents' house into a condo. Right. They have Not no idea that they need $20,000 or 40000 or 50000 to get a house. They just know it's a lot. Mm-hmm. They don't have a real number. And yeah. I think that the system is designed for people to fail and those who rise above are fighting tremendous odds. And oh, I just think yeah. that is terrible. Yeah. Because it doesn't have to be like that. I mean, knowledge I is power for sure. And our people perish for lack of knowledge in many ways. But we still can't, you know, ignore the fact that oftentimes when we learn the rules and the laws, they change them. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
yeah. constantly. Yep. That's why people got to be involved in the democratic process. Because exactly. if you're not at the table, you're on the table. Yeah. So here we are, man. Yep. We in it. I like that. Is that a thing? Yes. Or did is. you just make that up? If you're not at the table, you're on the table. I can't take credit yeah, for making a, that up. Thing. I have. Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> I've never heard that before. I'm now so you've excited. heard it. I now like you it. Know. <laughs> and it's true, though. If you're not at the table, your interests are probably not going to be considered and will be chopped. Your rights will be chopped and renegotiated. Yeah. And. You know, it's so true. I tell you, we uh, we here in D.C., I've mentioned this before, we passed a wage theft prevention law um, a couple years ago. But since the community got together with, you know, having to overcome the obstacles of dealing with working two to three jobs, getting down to the Wilson building to advocate at noon, like regular people work, like we went through all of this, mobilized people, got media passed an excellent law, one of the strongest laws in the country, and then like immediately after it was passed, backdoor interests start going in and whittling it down. Um, we um, Temporary agencies want to be exempt from wage theft prevention. Uh, 7-Elevens want to be exempt from, you know... <laughs> all the people that want to steal. All Yes, basically, <laughs> or that want to look for loopholes. They come in and they do that, and depending on how much uh, campaign contributions, mm. you know, they say that they're going to dedicate to that council member oftentimes determines uh, whose rights um, get upheld and whose gets chopped, you know, so we have to be vigilant, but mm -hmm. I want to um, thank you, Angela, for joining us on the show tonight, sharing with us your perspective. It has been my absolute pleasure. Thank you for yes, inviting yes, me. Yeah. Um, shout out to Spirit Airlines mm -hmm. for that $100 <laughs> ticket. I'm gonna see you next time, boo. Spirit, hey. I you know I don't know if I've ever flown Spirit. I like Southwest. Hundred bucks, that's a good deal. People hate it. People love it. Mm -hmm. I'm in the love it crew. All right, all right. <laughs> um, Gotta be ready for it because hmm. I, I'm just on the move. <laughs> You're jet set. I'm out here. <laughs> <laughs> Living your life like it's golden with one bag. Yes, because <laughs> Spirit. And there it is. I want to hand it over to the magical, mystical Jay Mills and to lead us in closing on a metaphysical moment. Take us some more positive, please. Snap, 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 snap. Snap, snap. Getting metaphysical. I thought I was going to have a little bit more time. So I'm just going to go with where I'm at. Cool. Because uh, I wasn't, I don't know. But here we are. Mercury's in retrograde. Oh, God. Um, until somewhere around April 22nd. Uh, <laughs> I'm a Gemini, born May 31st. And uh, yeah, me and Mercury in retrogrades. If you're a Gemini or an Aquarius or a Libra or a Virgo, this time is one that you are especially affected by. If you're not one of these signs, you're just kind of lightweight. You know, maybe your phone's messing up. Maybe you got unexplained transportation woes. Maybe, you know, your computer's fucking up. Internet's messing up. Just got some technological difficulties. Little lightweight things. Blame it on Mercury. The beautiful thing about Mercury in retrograde is that when you keep a positive attitude and demeanor and you keep moving forward, even when things appear to be moving backward, there is a blessing behind those stressings. So in those 
times where your best laid plans seem to just all be going to shit, keeping a positive attitude, staying happy in spite of it all, um, you'll find a great, great blessing behind that. So shout outs to Mercury and retrograde and me making a plan and that plan not coming too. So here we are rolling with it. (laughs) I was looking at uh, Supreme mathematics and I started thinking about uh, the fact that um, everything that is us is intentional and what it means to, to be a star for real and, and living out, uh, living out each day. Um, by that, I mean, like, we, being human beings, are of light. A star is light. That's it. You're just light. But to understand in this relative realm what that means, you got to understand darkness. And we forget sometimes that it's all relative. We forget what it means to be in the absolute why are we an eternal being, an eternal light, an eternal all, a drop, a slice of the all that decided to wear a U-suit, tried, decided to dress up in a body and go for a few spins around the sun on this hot rock called the earth? Why? Why are we here? Each and every one of us, everything that we make, everything that we think, everything that we see is always here for a reason. And it is because of being why we're called a human being because the only way to know what is is to be to be or not to be right that is eternally the question if you choose not to be who you are that does not change who you are isn't that amazing you can never run away from the light that is you because you are pure light Word to mathematics, where you have positive and negative numbers that only exist in the relative, but there's something called an absolute value. And that's all that actually is. If you pay close attention to mathematics, shout out to my geniuses who know what I'm talking about when I talk about absolute value. That's important to know because that means that no matter how not you may be, your absolute value will never, ever, ever change. You can be as negative as you think you might at the very bottom of the knot of you, and it is in that moment that you realize who you are. Just like that, boom, Mm -hmm. absolute value just hits you. And for some people, depending on how great their absolute value is, that's how deep that rock bottom has to go. You got to go deep down. It's going to get yeah. real dark. It's going to get real low because you're going to shine real bright. Where the fuck do you find a diamond at? Is it on the surface? <laughs> nah. <laughs> Never that. Pressure makes diamonds. Otherwise, you're just a lump of coal. So, for those that are shining as these stars, as these carbon-based life forms that are literally star stuff, you are... Literally star stuff. You ever look at all the vitamins and minerals your body needs to live healthily at optimum efficiency? You are the earth and the stars, the mountains and the oceans. Just as this earth is 75% water, so are you. We are the universe personified. And in this knowledge, in this knowledge of that, you know, I was looking at the numerology because I, I was thinking about um, just 
for people who live in patterns and who see these patterns and people who have this kind of intuition and understanding that this time right now, 2018, I was looking at the definition of numbers, bringing it back into Supreme Mathematics 2018, 2-1-8, um, what those numbers mean. Uh, two is wisdom. One is knowledge. Eight is build, destroy. And when we look at these times that this year is right now, wisdom times knowledge, you're already wise. But now when you get this new knowledge, because you can find out a lot of things and it means nothing. You ever later on realized that you learned something a long time ago? But it ain't even make sense until like so far later. You had to learn that shit again. We are wisdom getting more knowledge of what build or destroy is one or the other right now. And that's what everything is polarizingly obvious. Either it mm. is helping you or it is hurting you. And all across our lives right now, it's very violent. Maybe if you've been living on the fence of things and not wanting to accept the choice of to be <laughs> or not to be, you going to be friends or not. Nah. You going to be great. <laughs> or not like now is the time so i hope that for you who's hearing this message you understand that now is the time you've been waiting for a sign this is the sign do it live it dream it be it get that shit you know <laughs> <laughs> do it it is yours if you can dream it you can have it let yes. nothing nothing and no one doubt you man Yes. What God has for you is for you. What the Most High has planned for you is for you. You are awesome. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You have not been given the spirit of fear, but of power and a sound mind. You who hears my words, you have been given a gift because everybody, everybody does not have a sound mind. They were not given the gift of understanding. So... One love, love more, be more, love always, choose the highest attention of yourself, and be true to that, yo. There are some serious wisdom nuggets in there, yo, serious <laughs> wisdom nuggets. Um, I really appreciated that. Thank you for lifting us back up. I did have to remember, yes, I have gone through some darkness in order to shine where I'm at today. And I think all of us mm -hmm. have. So those of you who are watching um, that are going through your dark moments, know that there is light and that there is light in you. And we are all testaments to that. So thank you for that. And thank you again, Molly, for hosting us thank at you. the One Love Massive headquarters in the historic Shaw. Um we love you, ladies. We love our viewers. Yes. We love our tech guys. Thank you for uh, making us shine here. And we will see everyone next week, Tuesday, 9 o'clock. Peace out. Peace Bye. out with Uptown XO. <laughs> <laughs>